I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to On the Continent at the World Cup. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Lars Watson. On our final episode of the World Cup, we're talking the Kylian Mbappe Blues. Where to now for the Golden Boot winner and the Silver Medalist? Also, we're starting the countdown to the Euros. How hard an act will the World Cup be to follow for the stars and their squads? And we reveal the winners of the OTC World Cup Awards 2022. Best player, best goal, best moment and your best memory. Before we start, gentlemen, everybody's talked about this World Cup final. Was it the best ever, Andy? You know what? Mm-hmm. I've not seen uh, a full reproduction of the 1954 final between West Germany and Hungary for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I would only, um, in the context of the film The Miracle of Bern with uh, Tim Vickery on commentary. So I'm going to have to say yes for, for, for the moment. And I think this final, as I sort of briefly touched on on the Ramble yesterday, is, is a reminder that the best sport doesn't have to be flawless I think mm-hmm. that you know there are a lot of holes that you could pick on this final as we get further away from it in the cold light of day but I, I don't want to do that and I don't think we should because I think the drama the story some of the individual performances it, it was perfect in so many ways yeah and the intriguing thing about it is that it was basically two games you know there was one yes. game that Argentina won comfortably and had no trouble and actually it was a little bit disappointing because you were hoping for even if you kind of wanted Argentina to do it like I did 
you know, you kind of wanted more. And then it just went mad <laughs> right towards the end and in extra time. What a, I mean, by the way, what a rare thing. We had extra time in which both teams were actively trying to score. There was no one sitting back waiting for penalties. You, you know, very few people have pointed that out. And you're absolutely right. I, I think the majority of times you see extra time, you think this is a waste of time mm. nowadays. Yeah, in a World Cup final, it does cheese you off. But what about Kylian Mbappe? He wins the golden boot. Yeah. Arguably, he would rather have won the World Cup. Arguably. You'd hope so. <laughs> well, <laughs> good, good Lord. Yeah. There's no argument about it. Did you see his face? Well, I think there are I'm probably so... footballers in the world who would rather win the golden boot than win the whole thing, but I don't think Mbappe is one of them. No. But where to now for him? Um, is has, he, has the baton been passed on effectively from Messi to Mbappe in terms of international football at least? Well, I think what's been made clear is that Messi isn't ready to pass anything for for, for, for the for the moment. Um, it was interesting hearing him say after the game, you know, "I want to bask in it a bit more." Having said that, this is this is my final World Cup. Then, an hour after the final, you've got Scaloni going. Well, if he wants to come in twenty twenty six, he's going to come. And I like the fact that he's saying, "Well, you know what? I just want to wear the shirt of Argentina while we're champions." Isn't that nice? That feels like yeah. quite childish in the, in the best way possible. And I, I really, I really love that. You know, I think that's why people have responded so positively to Messi over the years, not just because of his brilliance, but because of the sense that he represents a childlike wonder of football. Now, I think some of that is a little bit gilded and misleading. I think he's just an unbelievable player. Mm. But but still, I think that feeds into what we want to believe of, of, of Messi. I think that's quite nice. Mbappe is, is coming at it sort of from the same way because imagining Mbappe as a child has never been difficult. A, because he's been brilliant since he's very young. B, because I remember when I interviewed him for telly in 2017, would it have been? When he was still at Monaco and he was still a teenager anyway. And you talked, I talked to him about the, the speed of his success. And he's like, well, it didn't feel quick to me. I have wanted to do this since I was four and I've been building up the whole time. And there's no exaggeration there. And his sense of, I think the, the interesting contradiction in Mbappe is there is this sense of, of, of childlike wonder in that he's a massive fan. We knew he had the Cristiano Ronaldo in Real Madrid strip, posters plastered all over his walls at home in Bondi all that sort of stuff. He's someone who's a football obsessive. Unlike a lot of footballers, he watches all the games, knows all the players, knows all the tactics. And I think that's something that he applies well to the game. But on the other hand, he's actually quite a pragmatist. Like you, you look at the end and there's no tears. There's no way that he's going to, as we said on the Ramble yesterday, allow Emmanuel Macron to use him for his moment. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's, he's disappointed but he's aware enough to say, yeah, I ain't being in your picture, pal. I'm not even making eye contact with you. And then you see his social media posts afterwards. It's just him walking past the World Cup and going, we'll be back. Yeah. Although we, should, um, we shouldn't forget, by the way, Andy's touched on the age. Killing Mbappé, we need to at least sing... Go, Killian! It's your birthday. We're gonna party <laughs> like it's your birthday. We're gonna party like it's your birthday, and we don't give it. Although it is his birthday today, you know, he's yeah. twenty-four mm, today 25. as we speak, 
And you think to yourself, 24, he's already scored two, over 200 career goals. I think he's just 11 short of getting the PSG record. We've seen that he's approaching, you know, the uh, French national record as well. The World the Cup time, numbers yeah. are crazy as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But, but by the time he's going to be, he's 25, he would have taken that baton from Messi whether he wants it or wants to give it up or not. Yeah, I don't know why this is the case, but 24 always feels to me in my brain as the year where you're not a young player anymore. Like, yeah, before, I don't know why that's the turning point. Isn't, isn't it the cutoff for various nations? Uh, young okay, players? okay, that, that would make sense. I, just mentally, that, that seems to be a thing. And it's clear that he's, you know, it's a, it's a challenging thing because we very often, we take the World Cup, which is a very small sample size, and we draw very big conclusions and all, this, all the usual caveats. But, but, but I do think, even though this was Messi's sort of crowning moment, I, I sort of come out of this World Cup thinking that Mbappe is, you know, is is the coming man, and if he's if if maybe with Messi finding his groove again at PSG and showing that he's got more to give, he's he's not quite on the way down yet, as you say. Mm. But it does feel like it's increasingly Mbappe's world, you know. If if you're a, if you're starting a franchise somewhere in in, That's in a Europe, good way of doing you it. You know, yes. if you're a if you're if you're Jeff Bezos and you've had a severe emotional incident and you've decided to spend all your money on football and and you went to some big European city and you just started what who's the guy who's the first guy you get to build a team around? It's Mbappe, right? Mm. I mean there's no doubt about that. And I think he he lived up to that billing I think in this tournament which was a challenging one for France in a number of ways. And I think even in the final having been very quiet for a long time he then Kept he then quiet. Yeah, yeah, he was kept quiet. They did he, do the job on him. I thought the first half, anyway. and also they did a job on France as a team. Like he just yeah, couldn't get the it. ball. He just couldn't yeah. get the ball in good areas. I was looking at his touch map for the first seventy minutes, and he had like one touch in the box. And most of the times he got the ball, it was quite deep on the on the wide in the wide areas. He just couldn't get the ball in any promising positions. But then he he springs to life, you know, and he he. Um, Scores the penalty, obviously, and then the volley. But there's also some little runs and some stuff going on towards the end. That's a really good point, actually, Lars, because everyone's been focusing so much on the Emi Martinez save from Randall Colomani. Mm-hmm. And Bappe could have scored the best World Cup winning goal <laughs> yes. of all time, yes. even after that. And how angry he was from for uh, to himself for that for that last touch yeah. where he slightly overplayed it. Dybala of all people turning up to block it right in the end of extra time, right? It's, it's, it's funny and because of there are so people. many exactly because <laughs> there are so many well you've got to put if you're the locum Messi you've got to put yourself somewhere else haven't yeah, you yeah. I suppose Do you know we've talked often about how Mbappe runs PSG effectively now I That's wonder, the perception, isn't it? Well, it's certainly... Yeah, the director sportif? Well, he certainly has more influence. <laughs> he has more influence than any other player, I'd have thought, including Messi, yeah. including Neymar. Yeah. And as PSG... Part of that's chronology, isn't it? Yeah, because well, obviously, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, as PSG look forward to the next phase of uh, their existence, they're looking at Mbappe, the one that's the youngest star. And I wonder if you can say the same thing about the French squad, who, don't forget, will be seeing most of this squad again in 18 months' time when the Euros come up whether Kylian Mbappe can do what effectively Lionel Messi did for Argentina, be the the totem pole, if you like, or the totem, or the inspirational player that gathers everybody together, because the squad is young. The squad is young. We're talking about a squad that's, what, average age of 26 or thereabouts. They're yeah. going to be around for some time, and Kylian Mbappe has got to be the centre of that. No, he is. He? He, he absolutely is. He, he already was, I think. But I, I don't know. if anything, I mean, we'll get onto that, but I think, 
Benzema having to withdraw with injury kind of simplified things a little bit for France because I think that that makes it easy that makes it clear who's the big dog in that group and I think that was actually quite helpful in terms of making that team come together and and, and making it work and no there's no doubt that he is that character and and then he wants to be that character and on the talent he has he should be that character does that mean that they'll win the Euros? They'll be favourites. They're, they're, they're the early, they're the early favourites. Yeah. And I think this World Cup has, has kind of helped them, has kind of galvanised them because there were so many bits where it could have all fallen down like a pack of cards and they reacted positively to all those setbacks. I think the young players who they ideally wouldn't have blooded yet have like, like grown in, enormously grown in stature in, in this tournament. Uh, Chuameni being being one of those, of course. Even Apumacano, actually, in Konate to uh, a, a certain extent as, as well. But I think in terms of building it around Mbappe is, is absolutely inevitable. And I think it makes sense to build it around someone with that sort of intelligence. But interesting, I know we'll, we'll get in a minute last to uh, Karen Benzema and his international retirement, which is... You know, you can just hear the door of the saloon swinging. It's such a, it's such a minor postscript. I can really. hear the tumbleweed for, rolling. Exactly as well. for the for the reigning Ballon d'Or to essentially quit international football and it be like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, it, it shows, as you were saying, that it's Mbappe's team. It also shows how much, how much easier it is without having to fit Benzema in because with Giroud in Benzema's place. Griezmann uh, in quite an unusual role for the France national mm. team and Mbappe have had much better tournaments than they, than they might have done otherwise. No, I mean, I'm mean, quite flippant about this, but we'll talk about Didier Deschamps, but I, I really think the the French injuries have got a great shout for manager of the tournament because <laughs> uh, the, they, they got injuries that that forced Didier Deschamps into playing a team he would never have normally played. I mean, yeah. again, if you if we return to Chateau Deschamps, who we wish we visited after the Euros, and then we we speak to him a few months ago, you know, Didier, what's your team for for the World Cup? There's no way on earth that he's starting Theo Hernandez. Well, the, the, he would he would have done. Well, and, as, and then as, in the back three, maybe, back, possibly, yeah, which wing probably back, would have made him look a bit better. It's another thing that might have worked. <laughs> no, but I think he looked quite good, just not in the final because he was knackered mm. or unwell. I mean, based on what he wasn't saying. expecting to play such a prominent role for France, was he? In this well, true, true. And, and I wonder if he was one of the players who maybe had a bit of the sickness that went around the camp. Uh, either way, the point is that they went through the tournament, they got to the final, uh, and, and played some good games in a system that's quite far from what I think Deschamps had in mind, and. Uh, and that meant he had to play Griezmann in this sort of strange hybrid role, which we've spoken a lot about, which which was really interesting. But I'm sure that wouldn't have been plan A. It was just necessary for you. If you're playing an out-and-out striker in Giroud, who's kind of old and, you know, has certain limitations, you're playing Ousmane Dembele on the right, doesn't defend. You're playing Kylian Mbappe on the left, doesn't defend. And you play a left-back who's not good at defending. Wow. Like, you, you, for this to work... You need something, and that something was Griezmann taking on this very unusual sort of. Half it was Rabiot too, as as well. Who's who's in covering a lot of ground on yeah, that was side? Yeah. Rabiot was brilliant, but it, it, just what uh, Lars has alluded to there are all the question marks around Didier Deschamps. Whilst we sort of try and think about the future for Mbappe, do we not have to also factor into that? Where what does Didier Deschamps do? Now? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, uh, he has put himself in the position with this tournament where he gets to decide his exit date. Now, he's trying to use this, it appears, to his advantage. And he's saying, mm. I will stay on 
but I will stay on if you contract if you extend my contract to 2026. Now, I don't think this is completely separate from Benzema's decision to retire because if Zidane, who has been next cab off the rank and waiting poised for a long time to take this job over, and you know what, if France had fallen short in this tournament, I think we'd be indoctrinating Zidane right now. You know, I think he'd have his feet un- under the desk in Paris. But they're close, um, Benzema and Zidane. Deschamps and Benzema, it's a bit more strained. Because remember, he was never actually banned from the international team. Deschamps choose, chose not to pick him. And I think there is the suspicion that he used that on-pitch, off-pitch controversy to not include a very talented player who's never played brilliantly for the national team and whose inclusion puts the rest of team out of whack. There's mm. not that same sort of that that same sort of balance. Deschamps has always been, it's not about picking the best 11 players. And it turns out that allowing it to be Mbappe's team, it's a lot more harmonious than allowing it to be Benzema's team, even if the way he plays has evolved because it was such a clunky fit in the Euros last yeah, year. Yeah, no, it just it? didn't work at all, which is why... And again, I was being flippant uh, about the injuries, but I don't know what I'm saying. Give Deschamps credit for for finding a solution to all these people being absent and, and finding an eleven, even if it wasn't his preferred, and, mm. and 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 finding this strange role for Griezmann and making it all work. But but I I thought it was a bit out of, out of order. It's not the right. I thought it was a bit annoying that he actually had to field questions about Benzema ahead of the final. Like in what world would it possibly make sense to bring him back in? The context of this is that he is a slightly divisive character, Benzema. France are very successful without him. He then gets unretired, comes back. France are less successful. Then he goes home from this tournament. France are successful again. And then there's a suggestion that he should have been parachuted in just to play the final. I think it's extraordinarily insulting to the players who got them there. And it makes, mm. frankly, makes no sense. I, f- I think the interesting thing, though, is having moved, have, uh, Benzema leaving the scene, which is possibly to the overall good of the squad, even if he is still brilliant and the reigning Ballon d'Or, etc. I think if we look at the experienced players, and Don, you and I were discussing the experience in this French team earlier, I think there's already a sense that Loris is going to be replaced by Mike Manuel, who wasn't fit for this tournament, who is. I think you could argue the best French goalkeeper out there. He's been amazing for Milan. And obviously, with France falling short for the second successive tournament on a penalty shootout, the fact that Maignan is a really good penalty saver mm. has not gone unnoticed or unmentioned. I think the other thing, though, if you're looking for another experienced player that's going to move on, it's going to be Olivier Giroud at some point because the way he reacted to being subbed in the final. And Deschamps was proved right. I mean, his subs were his subs were good, even if they took a while to take effect. Giroud, for someone who's a team player, the way he reacted when he got replaced by Benzema last year and the way he reacted when he got taken off in the final, it's underlining the fact that someone who is the ultimate team player has actually got quite a fragile little ego and they were thinking of dropping him before the final. And he knows this, which is part of the reason that you have this reaction. Now, last we've, we've talked before about how Mbappe doesn't really want to play centre-forward. That is going to be at least his medium-term role for for France. And I, I think he's fine with it because the left-sided forward will be Marcus Turam, And that's the reason they thought about dropping Giroud because Turam is incredibly defensively industrious. He gives that cover to Teo Hernandez, mm. for example, that Mbappe 
could never and would never give. And the thing is, they can swap and drift when they're when they're in the attacking phase as well. So Mbappe really still gets to play where he he wants to. And I think the emergence of Turam, who remember was pick twenty six, he was late on, and that was the reason they didn't replace Benzema when he dropped out. He didn't think he should have dropped out. He thought they could have kept him on and Deschamps and, and got fit for for later games. Deschamps didn't want it hanging over the squad. And I think he felt that Turam can cover such a multitude of positions anyway. So really, Turam, having been a very late pick and not a pick in the original squad, could end up hastening the withdrawal from the scene of two of France's biggest strikers. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Normally, after a World Cup, we have to wait two years for another great tournament at Euros. This time, we only have to wait... 18 months. Let's just look back over the winners and losers from this World Cup tournament. Uh, first of all, winners for you? Any winners stand out, Andy? You know what? This is going to sound weird, but I'm, I'm going to have to say Portugal. What? Because, <laughs> because... Portugal? Who are they? I, I never thought they would come anywhere near winning this tournament, despite the fact they had the talent to challenge. But they've moved on from this difficult relationship that they had with coach and player because this is the tournament where they realise that they're better without Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. This is the tournament where they also realise they're better without Fernando Santos who is is, is is taking his leave. It'll be interesting to see because there are so many like cerebral coaches out there who are possibilities for Portugal. Now it doesn't look like it'll be Jose Mourinho as, as, at this point because he doesn't feel he doesn't feel done 
at Roma. But they've been talking about him doing a job share. Yeah, that, that they have. I, 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 I think he has realised that that's largely mm. impractical. Yeah, as that grumbling over there from um, <laughs> that's from just Bergen my Cornish usual Jose Mourinho noise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, in all seriousness, I do think international management probably could be for him. Actually, as much as I have certain reservations about him, I, I, think, I guess I think the question he's is a good fit for that with with this set of players. Question yeah. mark. Mm. I, I suppose because to me it felt that <laughs> like we've that... gotten rid of the dour negative Fernando Santos. Here comes Jose Mourinho. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> do, you, do you not think uh, Mourinho was the one thing that was arguably missing in the dugout or in the you know technical area? Isn't that the one thing that was missing from this World Cup? Wouldn't you have loved to have seen him? Then? Well, from a neutral perspective, yeah, I guess. I think from a Portugal perspective, having got rid of one uppity superstar, <laughs> do you want to bring in another? Also, well, having gotten rid of one... A dour manager who restricts the offensive <laughs> talents of this team. Exactly. Why not? Why bring in another one? Yeah. Because the best, the best team performance of the entire World Cup is Portugal against Switzerland, but that happened despite Fernando Santos, not because of Fernando yeah. Santos. Now, I think as well, it underlines what a crazy second half of the season this is going to be because the Tassa de Liga, the Portuguese League Cup, has been played throughout the World Cup before the final even happened. Gonzalo Ramos was scoring again for Benfica in their elimination from said League Cup. So, I mean, it shows you what a weird overlap between club and international we, we, we have at the moment. But, you know, Ramos is symbolic of what they're going to be doing going forward. The fact that they do feel a little bit more off the leash. And I think it's fascinating to see whoever takes over next, whether it's Rui George, whether it's uh, Abel, whether it's Leonardo Jardim, any of these names mentioned, George Jesus, which again I think is a bit mm. of a bonkers like left field choice. I think it's going to be so interesting to see where the power balance sits now. Cristiano Ronaldo, not saying he won't be part of it, but now there's an acceptance that it's okay to put out an eleven without him in it. And so Fernando Santos has done them a favour by a putting that idea out there and B, moving aside for someone else to do it. Who, Andy, do you think would take over? You mentioned some names already. Jardim would be my pick. Yeah. I think because he's someone who has had great success at club level, Mm. um, not so much recently, where he's been mainly working in the Middle East. So that makes him gettable. Mm. I think the other thing is he likes players to enjoy themselves with the ball. And, and players love that. I don't think players at international level, especially players who play for the best clubs, as lots of Portuguese players do, they don't really need to turn up and be like walked through everything and to have the whip cracked. They need a kindly caretaker and someone who is focused on their enjoyment. And there are so many expressive, exciting players. I think it'd be a nice antidote to what went before, which since Euro 2016, and I know... You know, Fernando Santos will always have that in the Nations League to fall back on. It has been, it's had diminishing returns ever, ever since then. And that, that's inarguable, isn't it? Can, I throw, what, can I throw one thing in? Is there a case for AVB here? I knew that was coming. <laughs> there is. There's always it's a case just, for You don't AVB. need to sell it to me. And no, but just because part of, you know, last seen doing surprisingly well at Marseille yeah. before that went wrong. 
He's always been, he's an intelligent guy who's not always performed flawlessly as a coach, but he's had many chances to learn from some mistakes and stuff like this. And it's also been the thing with him is that you always get the sense that he'd rather be doing something else for this time, but that, that he wants And he'll to, get a bit of spare time. Yeah, as, that as he wants to do coach. more than yeah. just this sort of, the modern, most of the modern managers, they love the whole being at the training ground 12 hours a day. I don't think AVB ever did. And see, I, I do think this sort of slightly more uh, chilled out national team type of job could suit him. He could be him. detached because he always seems detached. It's, yeah, exactly. Space, it's it? a really good argument. Last, you've sold it to me. It was never going to take yep. much selling to me. Mm-hmm. He has always respected your beard game. Yes, he <laughs> has. Give him a call. It's, this is actually true, yeah. What, what about your big winners then, Lars? If Portugal is what Andy's going for, who would you go for? Uh, I do think we've got to give big ups to Croatia here. I, I, I think is the only who who finally did uh, look a bit tired in the in the semis, but then you know rallied uh, for the third place playoff. Uh, I wasn't expecting a lot from them in the tournament, but but they were impressive, and, and it, it was obviously magnificent to to get to see Luka Modric do the Luka Modric things at yes. at, at a very high level. But there's also stuff, I mean, Josko Guardiol coming through in defence, even someone like Lovre Meyer getting minutes and looking looking decent when he was on the pitch. And I think the, the future is, is, is sort of bright. I mean, you wonder they will miss Modric a lot. If he goes, when he goes, we'll see. Can he do the Euros? Who knows? He wouldn't. I, th- I think he does. I, I wouldn't bet against it. Yeah. He, he seems to be weirdly ageless. And there's also something about... There doesn't seem to be much physical decline with him, really. <laughs> That's true. That's I mean, true. when you watch him run around, even there was a few moments towards the latter end of of Croatia's games. He's just making some runs forward. I was like, "Good God, man, are it, you not tired yet?" It's the same Modric that played for Tottenham. Yes, I saw him at White yeah, Hart Lane. Yeah. It's the same Modric. I haven't seen much, you know, in terms of physical decline. Anyway. I, th- I think that's the amazing thing when you look at how. That midfield three, which I said at the start of the tournament, is the best midfield three in the tournament. And them performing to that is what gave them wings. I mean, the fact that they've got that combination of experience, but yet you look at years-wise, Brozovic and Kovacic have got loads left in the tank. If Portugal and Croatia are the big winners, I think it's clear. Well, we've got to say Belgium and Germany are the big losers. Maybe not so clear, but clear to me. Yeah, what you one, one an expected failure, the other an unexpected perhaps. I, I, I wasn't... Which I, is the expected one? Belgium. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting them to go in the group stage. I was expecting them to play one more game in the tournament. <laughs> but uh, uh, just because, just look at the age profile of, of the squad. I mean, this... Any suggestion that this was the last chance of the golden generation, I think, was always wrong-headed. I think the last World Cup was the last chance of the golden <laughs> generation, and what you had now was a was a transitional, a group that's in transition with a coach that maybe was a bit too loyal towards some of the big stars that that he should have been. I mean, I think it's just based on. I understand he's played a lot of games for them, and he's been a great player, but based on what's happened at club level this season and before. The idea that Eden Hazard got more minutes in this tournament than Leandro Trussard, for instance, is perverse. I mean, it's, it's bonkers. But, but by his own words as well. He said before the tournament, <laughs> well, if he was picking on form, he would pick Trussard. Yeah. And, and not just him, but remember, Kevin De Bruyne said that they had no chance in the tournament before the tournament. So they didn't believe in themselves. I mean, that that's that's huge, isn't it? You, you know, the, 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 the fact that they never believed, that really came across in the, mm. in, in the way that they played. I'm not sure. I think we're heading towards a slightly fallow period 
for German, which uh, for, for Belgium, Belgium mm-hmm. which I think will be of immense frustration to players who are still at the top of their game, like Courtois, who didn't have a great tournament, and De Bruyne, who didn't have a great tournament as as well, because I think the um, they've not quite got quite enough talent coming, and the talent they have got coming is not quite ready. Mm. You know, I, I, I w- always, you know, you talked about France being backed into a situation where they had to blood their talent last. Yeah, if they'd have played Lois Appenda instead of Michi Batsway, would they have been any worse off? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they would have, you know. Yeah, and and it's an interesting one with Lukaku because he is just 29, so there there is the possibility of some kind of Indian summer for him. He was also in poor shape. Yeah, no, physically. no, absolutely. Yeah. No, this wasn't a tournament for him, but I just think going forward, it's, it's feasible that he could come back. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of strikers, and particularly big, tall strikers who have a sort of a post-30s peak almost. Yeah. That, that could happen for Lukaku. That's possible. But aside from that, there are a lot of guys here you think... You know, it's uh, again uh, the weird thing is. I mean, Eden Hazard isn't even that old, but it's just because of all the fitness issues, and uh, he's, he's lost his way. You hasn't need he? you need more legs in this team. Like you can't have sort of Maxwell Vidal hanging around in midfield, and it's just it's a yeah. little bit like going forward a team that's based more around. You know, Onana in midfield, Tielemans maybe, like sort of Jeremy Duku on the wing, Charles de Ketelara. I mean, that's kind of exciting, I guess. Mm. And, and and maybe and, that oh, would be one for the Euros to, oh, to look out for. Maybe actually for once, we could have a Belgium team because they'll be, they'll be largely written off for the Euros, I would imagine, because yeah, they yeah. were so poor here. Yeah. So instead of constantly trying Germany? to live up to a tag, they could actually be punching upwards a little bit. What about Germany? Lars says that Belgium was expected... Um, but Germany unexpected. Would they be written off for the Euros as well? Uh, you know what? You, you often get a home nation going into a tournament with a, a real fear that they're going to show themselves up. I think that has arrived early for Germany hmm. because they, I guess they surprised a lot of people by the fact they went out in the group stage. And, and that was a surprise. It didn't surprise me that they didn't go far, though. It was always going to happen that, that, that they, they were just undercooked I mean there was a lot of negativity off the pitch and um, back at home people weren't really engaged with the World Cup but as as well it feels like the gap between what Hansi Flick is trying to do and what they actually are at the moment is is quite big it feels like he's got a lot of work to do I don't think a new coach would really do anything at this stage and as you say Dotton only 18 months it's not a lot of time to to work with I think there's a lot of things you can say in defensive for Hansi Flick. I don't think he learned on the fly as well as he could have done. I think he could have got full Krug in earlier, having picked him. I would have liked to see more of Makoko as as well. Mm. Defensively, they're all over the shop. That that right back issue is a huge problem for them going forward, and they have to find a solution for that. Do they go forward with Neuer post injury or Mark Andre Tushtegen? I. Wonder if they stick their eggs in the Tushtegen boat, even though it's, it's clear that Flick is a is a big Neuer loyalist. I think if Tushtegen comes in and plays well in the Euro qualifiers, maybe there's a, a, a decision to make. But really, they did everything in the World Cup that they'd done elsewhere in 2022, in that they globally played quite well, and then they weren't good enough in both boxes and and shot themselves in the in the foot. So. Really, in that sense, they play completely to type. Yeah, this is the weird thing about Germany. This is now the third major tournament in a row where I've sat doing like preview material ahead of the tournament 
and on Germany, I've written, well, they have some really good technical players, uh, but they don't really have fullbacks. Their defense is kind of slow and they don't have a number nine. Yeah. That's three tournaments in a row. Like, this is really weird. It's a decade of a huge footballing nation of 80 million people with so many active players, a brilliant youth development scheme, uh, so we're told, and who just can't seem to get certain types of players coming through. And Flick talked about this after the tournament. Like, for years we've been talking about fullbacks. They don't have any fullbacks. They don't have a striker. This is strange. We always try and encourage you to get in contact any time during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotton, at Ibio, at Lars Severston, and at... Andy Brassel as well. And this uh, tweet from Adam, um, I think this ties in really nicely. If Messi ended this World Cup with the biggest reputation, reputational win and Ronaldo with possibly the biggest loss, which player had the most middle-of-the-road World Cup? One from each of you? you middle-of-the-road? You know what? I think I'd, I'd lean on Belgium. I'd go for Courtois and De Bruyne because we, 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 know, we know how yeah. good they are. Yeah. I don't think they've diminished their reputation by the way they play, but they've, they've certainly not. Where in, was Kevin in, De Bruyne in this one? No, they, they were they were dragged down by their their team situation. Mm. I, I think. And for you, Lars, anybody? I mean, most middle of the road, like all of Switzerland, like did kind of well in the group stage. Got got thwacked after that. Mm. So you're not going to say England. Well, yeah, I guess on the OTC, I mean, we shouldn't be saying England, should well, we? I'm We've been enough lions watched checking. on this feed. So, what what stays in the green room stays in the green room. Well, okay, no, I think okay. So there is a, England. Obviously, are a good answer here because they did exactly what was expected. They were good in the group stage and good against uh, Senegal, and then they bumped into a team that was slightly better and lost, which is what happens in football. Yeah, less said about that, the better. It is time to reveal the winners of the OTC World Cup Awards 2022. Player of the tournament, gentlemen, Andy? What the, it really needs to be Messi or Mbappe, doesn't it? But Player of the tournament, it's a hard I'm, one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Antoine Griezmann. Because <laughs> I, I think the, the gap yeah, between what was expected of him, especially after the last couple good of shout. years, and what he actually produced... Yeah. He really helped knit it, knit, knit it together for France. They don't get anywhere near the final without him. It made France really look like some of the best performances by Spain. For me, he was like Sergio Busquets, actually, and he was just amazing. Anyway, that's my thought. What would you go for? I mean, Messi is the right answer. It, it is. is it? But, uh, but I appreciate Andy's uh, effort to say something else. But, you know, Messi is the right answer. What about the game of the tournament? At the finals, the right answer is it. Um, I think it is. I'm sorry to be boring, but I, I, I just you know, it, it was a final that that had everything and just delivered to such an extent that yeah, I think so. But so did Morocco, France. So did I, Morocco, Spain. I, I did enjoy Portugal, Switzerland. Uh, yeah, that, that that was fun to watch, that, and just uh, watching Portugal be just completely liberated from the shackles that had previously been on them. That was good. Well, I think I think in that first game against Ghana, the 3-2, they were completely liberated from any sort of tactical convention, yeah. which uh, is, is a different way of enjoying football. Talking of chaotic, I think we have to have a word for Argentina-Netherlands as well. Mm. Like with all the stuff, the injustice of Matteo Leoth not getting another another refereeing gig Decision, yeah. after, after, after that. After he completed the almost impossible and went through that game without sending anyone off. Seeing Argentina play brilliantly for most of that and then be undone by 
80s Wimbledon, yeah. as I think we said at the time, with uh, Wout Weghorst doing his stuff. I, I, I thought that was really exciting. What about the goal of the tournament? This is probably the most challenging of the questions. Goal uh, of the tournament? For me, I think because I was there, Richarlison mm-hmm. against Serbia. Brilliant. I, I, because I, I was saying this yesterday on the Ramble, I think especially at the start of the tournament, it took a while for the atmosphere to get going. But there's always a special atmosphere around Brazil. You know, there's so many actually colleagues I spoke to who are like, this is the day I'm going to see Brazil at a World Cup. Mm. You know, that childlike wonder that makes you think, actually, this is why you wanted to do this job in the first place. And everyone who's coming to the stadium, whoever they support, feels the same thing. I'm going to go and see Brazil in the World Cup. And then the Richarlison, who's this sort of belt and braces centre forward with a kind of first touch miscontrol, tees up this incredible volley. The sense that that, the feeling that that sent around the stadium was magnificent. So it wasn't only the goal, it was the reaction to it and the feeling it created. Lush? So a couple of games. The first thing that came to mind is just recency bias, but the second Argentina goal against France in the final was, just, was just unbelievable. But I also wanted... Uh, Argentina's first goal against Netherlands, the the, the Messi pass to, to Molina, which just there, there wasn't a pass on there, and he just sort of mm. and that completely opened that game up for them. But actually, going back to the group stage, I mean, maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing goal. But you know, the the first Argentina goal against against Mexico, the the Messi shot from distance is absolutely key to the whole tournament. We forget now just how much trouble they were in, Argentina, having lost to Saudi Arabia and having been really bad for a lot of that game against Mexico. Looking really anxious, couldn't really get anything going, had very, very few chances. Only three or four shots before that goal. Even fewer, I think it might have been two. Had basically created nothing. And, and, and we're really heading for a situation where they could have one point from the first two games in the group stage. Very genuine chance of them going home. Mm. And Messi turns up and, and, and hits one from range and just fixes everything. In a sentence, guys, the, your lasting memories of the World Cup. As I said, getting the atmosphere going was absolutely key. I thought the Japan fans did that in mm. the win against Germany at the Khalifa International Stadium. That was my first moment of the World Cup where I thought, hang on, shock atmosphere it's really happening here last year are you going to go for Sufyan Bufal's dance of his mum uh, oh that's a strong candidate but an, another slightly less worthy candidate is the Emiliano Martinez golden glove incident uh, which for me is the, the 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 lasting image I think I'll have that photo is certainly a lasting it's amazing. image isn't it is it an up yours moment is it <laughs> There's a, there's a tight, there's a, yeah, you know, I would, you know, I get grumpy about these things. I mean, any other time and place, I might have gone, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. But there is a time and a place for a court jester. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Emiliano Martinez, maybe not of life, one of life's natural good guys. No. But at that point in time in, in football history, that was the right time for a court jester to do the, do his thing. All, all, the, all the planets aligned, really, didn't they? Yeah. And in the midst of a host nation trying to make it all about themselves, mm-hmm. having done that throughout the World Cup, mm-hmm. to just have this scamp yeah. really put the fully, skids under Fully it. undermined the sort of pomposity of the occasion. Exactly. I loved it. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's OTC and all our recent episodes throughout the World Cup. You can join us tomorrow and Thursday on the Ramble feed for our best of the World Cup episodes. And on Friday, there'll be a football ramble guide to Christmas football for you all to enjoy. We'll be back with new episodes of the Ramble next week around the return of the Premier League. We'll see you then. 
From us, it's a uh, good Christmas from you, Andy. Police Natal. Uh, well, from us, Lars. Goeiel. Goeiel. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.